the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Welcome to the second part of my conversation with Peter Stiffel as part of the Tudor's Dynasty series on Mary I, England's first crowned Queen Regnant. I am your host, Johanna Strong, and I am finishing up a PhD at the University of Winchester about Mary's legacy. For this episode, I'm joined once again by Peter Stiffel, who is a PhD student at the University of Kent, researching contemporary Marian portraiture and imagery. Peter will be familiar to Tudor's Dynasty fans with his blog post, with his expert talk for Patreon patrons, and of course, with our first part of our conversation about Marian portraiture on the last episode. So this time, we're going to continue that conversation and pick up where we left off talking about Marian portraiture. So without further ado, I will pass it over to Peter, who will continue talking to us about Mary I as she's seen in portraits, on coins, and on seals. Over to you, Peter. Thank you so much. So if we skip a couple of years to around, well, we're not quite sure when this next portrait is made. Some people say 1555, some people say it's 56, 57. You know, we're not quite sure, but we know it's the second half of the reign, shall we say. So this is by, again, Hans Eworth. And even though a lot of people say, oh, it's exactly the same as his previous one. Well, I don't think it is. It, it sends a completely different message. The previous one obviously showed her as a queen. She's just succeeded. She's, you know, she's in ecstasy of her glory. This one, if we go, if we say it's 1556, 1557, just for argument's sake, if we look at the clothes that she wears, they're very Spanish. She's switched. She's no longer seen as just an English queen. She's shown as a Spanish queen. Some people don't like that idea because they think, oh, well, if she's a Spanish queen, then she can't be English. She's siding with Spain. But if this painting's commissioned 1556, 1557, well, she is queen of Spain at this point. Charles V has um, left his lands to Philip. Obviously, Mary is married to Philip. So Mary is now queen in her, to some people's eyes, in her own right as well, to Spain. Um, there's a famous ambassador who says, that they'd rather have Mary as monarch than Philip because they hate Philip. And another one says that Mary has now just been told that she's now queen of many great crowns as of her own crown of England. Now people can interpret that in different ways, but my interpretation is she's as powerful, in theory, as powerful in those countries as she's in England because she's a, a queen regnant and a queen consort. It's this dual monarchy. It's Philip Mary, the same as Isabella and Ferdinand. It's sort of the new Isabella and Ferdinand, the ones to reinvigorate the Catholic faith, to bring back Catholic faith back to Europe. So if we quick, just quick, take a quick look at this portrait. Um, obviously, she's wearing the Habsburg Brack. She's wearing lots of furs. So, we, you know, maybe the winter time. The golden collar that she wears, um, a recent scholar has um, recently discussed that it may actually be Catherine's golden collar which Mary was gifted in the will I mean you know that's that's got to help us decide whether or not it is but it is quite interesting that she's portraying herself as a Spanish queen in this portrait 
is just a portrait to sort of bring Philip back because at this point Philip's gone back to his own lands or is this one half of a portrait because we know they were portrayed as a couple in quite a few other copies throughout Europe is this her side and is Philip meant to be depicted on the other side I mean we don't know what this other portrait looks like but there is one by Titian um, about 10 years before and what they wear is very very similar clothing is this sort of them becoming one body going back to the kings of two bodies you know the spiritual king is it are they both one one and one and we know this is by Hansi Worth because again um, the rings are exactly the same it's the same pattern but I don't think the face is the same with the, the first one it's very pale it's very flat this is more realistic I think obviously she's aged she's not had this child so we've had to go for all of that her husband has left her the heretics are still coming it's getting worse her policies aren't getting through as successfully as she wanted. She's no longer smiling. It's a very stern, straight look. She glares at the viewer. And she's holding a, a painting. Um, it's for Miles Hugard, who we believe. Um, we're not quite sure who Miles Hugard was, but it's, he's obviously a courtier of some kind. So this is shown her as a, a judicial monarch. She has to hand power to people. She's not, no longer this saviour, as to speak, but she's purely a judicial monarch carrying on the day-to-day business. And she places her hand on a, a golden table, a golden cloth of some kind. We're not quite sure what this is. I mean, it's you could think, oh, maybe it's her coronation dress or it's the dress that she wore earlier because it's quite similar pattern. We, d- we just don't know. It may just be artistic license. And then she has a, a lovely dark green cloth of estates, again, showing her Tudor heritage. So this is quite a sad portrait, really, because we know she's not pregnant. Um, her s- stomach is slightly enlarged, and another version of this shows it a bit better. But we know this isn't the child. This is the cancer or potential cancer that eventually kills her. So yeah, but we're not going to end on a sad note. <laughs> That's a sad portrait, but I thought if we look at what I was suggesting earlier with a, a dual portrait, this portrait at the um, Queen's Gallery, Queen's House in Greenwich at the moment, um, it's owned by the Walburn Estates, and they're currently being refurbished, which is why this portrait's here. So if anyone is in London or in Greenwich, please go to it. It's free to go into. You'll love it. <laughs> Again, I was here for a few hours. I went with a friend and said, why are you still there looking at the portrait? There's all of these other great portraits of Marine. You know, um, he's, a very, he's a Marine historian, so he's very into that sort of thing. So yeah, but look at it. <laughs> look at it. Look how much, you know. Okay, so um, just to describe it to your viewers, you have... Philip and Mary, Mary on a throne sitting, Philip standing. We'll get into that. You have, I believe they're spaniels. I mean, Joe, you may be able to correct me. Um, spaniels show <laughs> they're dogs of some kind. They're cute dogs. They're, they're cute very dogs small. <laughs> to show to show loyalty, fidelity. 
what is interesting is that one of the dogs faces you and the other doesn't. I think the dog facing us is meant to is sort of Mary and the other one's Philip. You have both their coat of arms. Clearly the portrait's been cut at some point because Philip's coat of arms, there's only half of it left. Um, obviously you have the later editions of the coat of arms and the Latin text above them basically just gives them their title, King and Queen of England, Spain, France, Jerusalem, Naples, you know, the whole lot. Because <laughs> we don't, again, another thing we don't normally appreciate. She was an empress in theoretical terms. She didn't just rule England. She had, um, well, historically France. She had Spain, Naples, Jerusalem, Sicily, all of those other islands which I won't go into. So, you know, she did have a, pre well, a presence, or she should have had a presence if she'd ruled longer. So we look at the portrait, um, people say it's, some people say it's by Hans Eworth, some people say it's by an anonymous artist, some people say, oh, it's obviously inspired by Moore because of Mary sitting down. And that's the thing I think we need to start getting away from. We can't just keep saying, oh, it's inspired by Moore because she's wearing similar clothes or she's sitting on the throne. Yeah, it's just because she's sitting on a throne, she's wearing similar clothes, doesn't mean it's has to be inspired by Antonius Moore. You know, this was just the fashion of the day. She, you know, she had thousands of crowns. I was looking at some of the some of the clothing warrants, and you know, I think she's spending fifteen thousand pounds in days like, on clothes. And she, the, um, the there's a story where the Privy Council they write to Philip and they say. We're too scared to do it. But like, can you tell your wife to stop spending money on clothes? Like Fifteen thousand pounds is a lot today. That is so much in the fifteen fifties. <laughs> so you know, you know, again, it's we always think of this <laughs> this woman who's depressed, um, always in black, in a dark room. Well, no, she she liked her clothes, and they weren't all just black. Um, this image doesn't do this portrait justice. But if you actually go to see the image in real life, it's not a black gown. It's a dark blue. So that's for your, any of your viewers. They're saying, oh, it's just black and gold. Well, that's, what, you know, that's just Spanish colours. Well, no, actually, if you go, the real portrait actually is a dark blue. So all of these people who think, oh, she's just a consort. Well, no, actually, she's not because she's not in Spanish colours. She's in blue and gold. But what's interesting about this portrait is Philip, actually. <laughs> Lots of people oh, nice. have had <laughs> lots of people have had have had theories <laughs> what his legs are doing. Um, some people suggest, oh, it's just a bad artist. Well, it's clearly not a bad artist because everything else seems okay. Some people say, oh, maybe multiple artists did the work. Maybe. Some people say the portrait was hung up high, so when you actually looked at it. The legs weren't as as bad, maybe. He definitely has some dislocated legs going there's on something here. Going on here. Um, there's no, there's been no scientific analysis or anything, so we're not quite sure. But my theory is that maybe originally he was meant to be sitting, because he does look like he's meant to be sitting down. And at the last moment. Whoever commissioned this portrait decided, no, we can't have him sitting. If he's, he's sitting, then it may suggest that he's in charge. 
when clearly he's not. So Mary can sit because she's the monarch and the monarch always sits and the subject stands. You're only allowed to sit down when the monarch allows you to. Well, if Philip's standing, he's below Mary. He's inferior. Yes, he's the man. Yes, he's the husband. Yes, at this point, he's the king of Spain. <laughs> but that's not important. He's not the king. Well, he is the king of England, but not the true king of England, shall we say. He's a king, not king consort, because that's a very outdated term. He is king, but he's not politically powerful, shall we say, in the same degree as Mary in England. And he can't be represented as having equal power because that would cause a lot of issues. So this is Philip. It's a sort of a compromise. I mean, that may, may explain why his legs are so funny. Um, we'll have to do some scientific analysis to sort of understand what does the drawing look like this? Has the chair been moved? But in my theory, I think it has. So it's a very interesting portrait, actually. The first time you see it, it, it looks like he is kind of perched on the edge of his chair. What I figure, if Mary were wearing trousers and not a dress, <laughs> um, what her legs would look like kind of perched at the edge of her seat. So poor Philip, like what a power move to be like, no, he doesn't get his throne. He can stand. Exactly, exactly. And it's, I think this it's a very unique portrait. I've not seen a portrait of this scale, shall we say, of the couple together. Um, normally they're painted separately and then merged together. But this is a deliberate, a single portrait. But actually, if we turn away from portraits for a second, because I'm, I'm sure, Joe, you've already explained that I don't just look at portraits. <laughs> I look at lots of images of Mary. <laughs> and um, so we'll look at a couple of coins if you want to, because everyone loves a good Absolutely. coin collection. <laughs> but we have to remember, coins were the image most people saw. People didn't see these lovely portraits. These portraits were in country homes or in palaces. You know, the likes of you and I, we would never have seen them. The only thing we would see are coins. And I actually have a couple of coins with me, but there will be images for our lovely listeners just in case they want to have a look at them. So the first one we're going to look at is a lovely Mary Groat, um, minted 1553 to 1554. So we look at this lovely uh, Mary Groat. It's a very regal figure. I, I call it the Roman goddess figure. because She looks very Roman. Um, she wears loose hair, showing her virginity. She wears a cross of some sort, maybe the same cross that um, she's depicted with Hans Eberth. Um, the legend above is obviously her title, Maria, Queen of England, Defender of the Faith. It's just, a, I, I love this because we don't normally see Mary wearing a crown. And here we see her wearing the imperial crown. It's a close crown, so she's an imperial queen. Um, going back to her father, Henry, it's not an open crown, which is very significant. So she technically she's still in schism with the Pope in this year. On the reverse is Veritas Temporis Filia, which is her motto. Truth is the daughter of time very fitting to her so obviously this growth is it's, it's about well it's four pence so most people may have had it it's you know it's quite a common coin so this is the coin people would see you know and again like we said with portraits the portrait is the queen same with the coinage where the coinage are the monarch is present so you know if it's you're a farmer a peasant a banker whatever if you're holding this coin 
you're holding the monarch as well. It's a very clear message to say the monarch's always present with you. If we turn to a silver shilling after the marriage, uh, this one's not dated, but it can be either 1554 to 1558. You see there's this difference. You now have Philip included. Um, but Mary is slightly higher. Now, is that just design? Is it just how it was minted? Maybe. I like to think it's sort of the minters suggesting that Mary is still top dog, shall we say. Even though Philip's <laughs> king of England by default, she is the ruling party. On the reverse is their joint motto, God is our saviour, or God, in God we trust. And we know this is a shilling because it has the denomination 12 pence and you have their joint coat of arms. Um, if we just like, if we just go back to the obverse, you have the crown hovered above both of them. Now, people, some people have said, oh, this shows that Philip's now in charge. Well, no, because if he was in charge, he would wear the crown. This crown is above both of them. So again, it's linking back to that joint monarchy. They're the new Isabella and Ferdinand. So if we just take a quick comparison look with um, a couple of these coins, you notice that Mary's position, which is sometimes people say, oh, well, that's where the consort is placed. Well, if you look at this um, gold jewel canter in Spain with Ferdinand and Isabella, well, Isabella is on the same side as Mary. And anyone who knows Isabella and basic 15th century history knows who wore the trousers in that relationship. It was not Ferdinand, Isabella. spoiler alert. She was a... So, Fierce queen. <laughs> she was a great queen. Not a very nice lady, but a great queen. <laughs> so it's clearly inspired by the Spanish coinage. Um, who made the mark? There's some people think it's um, Derek Anthony, who's the minter of the minter disc points. He was um, given £30 a year for his work, which is you know, a reasonable salary. But some people think it's um, Jacob. Jacopo da Trezzo, who was an Italian medalist who um, created lots of medals of Mary and Philip during his lifetime, which we may not have time to go into. But they believe because the medals look very similar to this later coinage, he may have come to England and helped design with the mints this new image. But I just want to end really with one of these coins, which lots of people don't really know about. It's this Irish, Irish shilling. So Ireland had a different coinage to England. And there's lots of um, accounts in the patent records about them turning Irish coinage into um, ready, ready available. Not a lot on English coinage, which is quite interesting. A lot on the Irish. So we just take a quick look at this Irish coin. It's, you know, it's one, it is obviously um, inspired by the English. I do feel Mary looks a lot more youthful in this image, even from the other English, early English ones. She has the loose hair, she has the cross, she has her pearl necklace, she has a very prominent imperial crown. Again, it's the same um, obverse title, Maria Tudor, Queen of England, um, Defender of the Faith. On the reverse is again her motto, Veritas Temporis Filia. You have the crowned Irish harp, and you have M and R, both with crowns, Maria Regina. Um, after the marriage, 
I think it's about 1557, um, they make new coinage for Ireland. And Mary, obviously the obverse is Mary and Philip, the same as the shilling, but the reverse has M, P and M crowned, not M and R. So it's just a slight saying, you know, Philip's now king as well. But it is interesting, actually. Um, actually, no, let's go into the seals because seals are very <laughs> interesting if we have time. Um, I'll briefly discuss seals. Um, so the first seal, obviously, Mary is enthroned. She's on her own. She's got loose hair, lovely crown. She, uh, on the obverse is her on horseback. She's riding side saddle, so it shows stability. She can't be seen as a war- warrior queen as such. So this is sort of a compromise because obviously women can't go to war. It's very unwomanly. Um, what's interesting is that the Great Seal is not changed. Well, it's not even discussed about being changed until 1555, I think May time. It's not until June 1556 they actually get round to making a new one, which then has Philip and Mary on the seal. So it's taken two years. Why has it taken so long, you ask? Is it because people don't really want Philip on there? Is it because now Philip's king of Spain and obviously the Spanish Empire, so you sort of you can't ignore him anymore. He has to be present. Or is it just because it just takes so long? Um, because what is interesting is, even when Mary ascends to the throne in the summer of 1553, she doesn't get her first, well, the first document with her seal, her personal seal, without Edward. It's not until her marriage treaty in January 1554. So it's taken a few months to make this new seal, which is, you know, obviously it takes time for these things. But why wait two years if they suddenly want to include Philip? And it's where a lot of historians say, oh, well, it's, they also automatically just go to the second seal and say, oh, look, now Philip's in charge because he's on the seal as well and he's present. Yes, but it's taken two years and no one seems to mention that, that process. It's taken two years. It's taken a year for them just to even decide whether or not to include him or not then taken another year to make the thing. But what is interesting is that there's a drawing in the British Museum of a seal dated 50, well, we believe it's 1558. Philip's gone. It's just Mary. She has two sphinxes on either side. She has a lovely um, a canopy over her. She looks like a goddess, to be frank. She's very regal, it's very formal. We're not quite sure whether the seal was made or not. There's no evidence, well, no physical evidence of a seal. We just have this drawing. But if it is, and we know it is contemporary, if it is a third design, shall we say, it's very interesting that Philip has now been removed from the seal. Is this Mary taking back her own power, her own dynasty, you know, her dignity. She said, no, well, you failed as husband. You not produced this child. Yes, all right. It's probably her fault, shall we say, using their words. But Philip, if you're not here half the time, how can I get pregnant? <laughs> you, know, you can't do one without the other. So it's, yes, uh, so we'll end with that image of that wonderful seal dated 1558. And it, you know, it does show Mary's majesty. She, it's her destiny. She is England's first queen regnant. 
and she was a successful queen by all accounts. You know, yes, we had the failed harvests and the weather, but as you know, as we all know at the moment, you can't judge the weather. You know, <laughs> if you have drought, there's nothing you can do about it. It's not your fault. I say, Mary controls. Mary controls a lot of things and the weather is not one of them (laughs) exactly you know she was appointed by God she did have divine powers but she couldn't control the weather unfortunately well not that she knew of anyway (laughs) but this has been absolutely wonderful to look at the ties that Mary has to her mother in portraiture to her husband in portraiture and I think especially to her husband in coins when he's there and not there, I think are are equally significant. But I think what really strikes me overall is that Mary, I mean, as, as you have said many times, Mary knows what she's doing with this. Um, Mary is a queen and a king, and she knows how to keep that power. And I think that's something you've you've really shown through these portraits and these coins and the seals and I think the biggest thing that I think I will take away from this is I feel like there's a little easter egg in every portrait of what is Catherine of Aragon's and where is it (laughs) that's gonna be the thing that I look for (laughs) it's what I'm starting to do now now that I've been told about these sorts of things thinking oh I don't because I never even I mean, I knew the cross was hers, but I didn't really think about, oh, hang on a minute. Is that the one that she gave her in the first place? Oh, wow. Hang on, you know. And uh, just to point out with those coins, um, with the whole process of coining and minting, the design had to be shown. When they made a a coin sample, it had to go to the monarch and they had to approve it. So Mary had to approve these designs. She has had a direct input in these. Which so is incredible. Mm. Yeah, I this it is... still happens today. So, yeah, it's it's that personal—no pun intended—the personal seal of approval that we don't have it in writing, but we essentially do have it in writing. That Mary has looked at it and gone, "That's good. I like that. You can use that," uh, which is incredible because I think so often we have things that are written about monarchs and about Mary but we don't have her words and I think this is this is probably the closest we get is obviously her copies of portraits and the coins that she approves and the seals that she approves um so I guess well all that's left is to say thank you so much Peter for joining us on this very special Tudor's Dynasty series on Mary. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, we next up are going to have Eilish Gregory. Um, So please do stay tuned to hear more about how Mary is remembered after her death, which is a very nice compliment to how Mary sees herself as Peter has shown us during her lifetime. So thank you all for listening and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.